Congregation may be seated and the children are invited forward for the children's sermon. We are like God. 
But that's not what makes us the sons of God. We do not become the sons of God because we are good peacemakers. We are the sons of God because Jesus died for us and washes us in his blood. Okay. Where did I do it? So one piece of candy or one uh, sticker tattoo.
The word of God which we hear this morning is from uh, Psalm 149, selected verses. We begin with verse 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of the saints. One commentator with regard to this verse noted that it is that the singing that singing the praise of the Lord is the constant occupation of the faithful. Paul similarly reminds us to rejoice always. And in the book of Revelation, heaven is sometimes described as the saints singing forever before the throne of God. Now there might be some who think, well that sounds like a fun time, singing for all eternity. And most of us probably think, hmm, I don't know if I can handle eternity of singing. Of course, we're missing the point when we, we look at these verses in that manner. But what the commentator is suggesting, what Paul is reminding us of, and what John is describing in the book of Revelation, is not a matter of what we do with our lips and our mouths, but a matter of what God has put into our hearts. In Jeremiah 31, the Lord promises that, that he has put his word into the hearts of his people. When people talk about, my heart sings, what are they talking about? What they mean is that some piece of news or something that has happened is such a joyful event that it causes their hearts to be lifted up with joy. It causes their hearts to sing. And that's exactly what the psalmist and what Paul and what John are describing. Not the singing of our mouths, but the fact that God has put something into our hearts to lift them up. He put a new song into our hearts, which gives us joy, which causes our hearts to sing in all situations. There is a new song of joy in the hearts of all of God's people. Sometimes that song is buried very, very deeply under clouds of doubt and sorrow and tragedy and pain and suffering. But it is always there. The glorious, wonderful news, the good news of our Savior who died for our sins. As Jesus said to the layman, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. The psalmist continues in verse 1 that this praise ought to be done in the assembly of the saints. This is a song that God has put into the hearts of all the believers. It's what makes us believers. That good news that God has put into our hearts. And that's what we're here today to remember and to celebrate. That wonderful good news that God put into the hearts of those who have departed and gone before us, as well as, as well as into our hearts. We're not here in order to remember what great people they were or what great deeds they did. We're partially here to simply remember them. And we're partially here for the songs, because let's face it, the songs for all saints, they are great, great songs. But most importantly, we're here to remember what Jesus did for them. How he put that new song that is in our hearts into their hearts. How he saved them from sin and death. How he brought them through the clouds of doubt and sorrow of this life and brought them to that final victory in him. Our hearts sing. And they sing better together. Because it's often hard to see that song of praise in our own hearts. It's a lot, a lot of times easier to see what Jesus has done for others than to be comforted and to be strengthened 
by it. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the new song which you have put into the hearts, which you did put into the hearts of Ruth Pemberton, Donald Casey, Vicki Braxma, Dwayne Bernhardt, Deborah Uni, Lindy Pameter, Rob Curley, Gwen Bornick, Bob Bornick, Ronald Reese, and Virginia Reese, and into all your people. We thank you for that new song which is the forgiveness of our sins, the joy of your resurrection, and the hope of the life to come. We sing thanks to you that you not only gave this song to them and to us, but also sustained and strengthened it so that even when the pressures, troubles, the sufferings, and sins of this world threaten to crush and destroy that hope that is within us, by your strength it remains and is strengthened. We thank you that you brought them through the night of sorrow into the day of your splendor, where their hearts now sing with the joy of your salvation, unimpeded by the sorrow of this world. We pray that you would bring us also to that glorious end, that our hearts may be one, and we may join their song, and the song of all the saints, in everlasting glory. Amen. We continue with the hymn for all the saints, verses 1 and 2. Israel rejoiced in their 
maker. He is our father because he is our maker. And our king, he is our father because he protects and provides for us. But the children of Zion, we are his children through adoption by faith in Jesus Christ. For a long, long time, it was the custom for people to give their children a name on the day of their baptism. This was often even called their Christian name because it was given to them on the day when they became Christian or baptized. Even adults who were baptized were often given a new Christian name. That custom started with God himself. We see God doing this throughout the scriptures. On the day that Abraham circumcised himself and all his family, God gave to Abram a new name, Abraham, and to Sarai, his wife, a new name, Sarah. On the day that Jacob finally learned to trust God's promises, God gave him a new name, Israel. And you remember how on the day that Simon confessed, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, God, Jesus, gave him a new name, Peter. That same <coughs> custom is promised to us as well in Revelation 2, verse 17. I will give him a white stone, and on that stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. These new names that God gave to the saints who went before, and the saints who have gone to glory and promises to give to us as well, are a promise that we are his children, and that he is our father. And that through all the difficulties of this life, he will provide and protect for us, and even carry us in his arms. We see how he did that for those who have departed and gone before, who have received that white stone with a new name, who are upheld by his strength, who are protected and given his glory and his forgiveness. He is our father, who not only provides for all that we need in this life, provided for them, but also even carries us in his arms as our good shepherd. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you were and still are a father to Raymond Stammen, to Floyd Schwant, to Jesse Schwant, to Wilbur, Eleanor, and Gary Flagel, to Josiah Heisen, to Audrey Kornowski, to Eric Brown, to Curtis Brown, to John Bender, and to Mark Bender, and all your people. We thank you for the life you gave to them and to us. We thank you for food and home, health and safety, love, and all that we need. But most of all, we thank you that you were their good shepherd, that you carried them through the storms of this life and brought them safely to the destination, your heavenly home. We praise you for that new name that you have given to them, and we ask that you would give to us the same, that when we fall, you would lift us up, when we cannot continue, you would carry us. When we are lost, you would come and find us and bring us home. That you would calm our troubled hearts with the knowledge that you are our true Father, as you were and still are to them. Amen. We continue with verses 3 and 4 of For All the Saints. Verses 3 and 4.
continue with verse 5. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. What does he mean when he talked about singing upon our beds? What does a bed, what is a bed used for? What does it mean? A bed is used when you're tired and you need rest, right? A bed is used when you are sick. A bed is used when you are sad or depressed often. And a bed is used also <clears throat> often when you are dying. You can call it our deathbed. In all of these situations, and many, many more, the psalmist reminds us that that new song which God has put in our hearts remains in our hearts. That joy of the resurrection to come. Jairus was a man who had a very serious problem. From an earthly perspective, it was the worst problem any father could have. His daughter was about to die. Jairus ran to Jesus and begged him to come quickly. Jesus did come. It doesn't really sound from the Gospels as though he was very quick in coming. In fact, he stopped to talk to and deal with another woman on the way. One can easily imagine the anxiety that any father would have in that situation. Come quickly. My daughter is about to die. If only Jairus had known. If only Jairus had understood the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. That it doesn't matter if the daughter is sick or is dead. Jesus is powerful for both. When Jesus finally did come to the girl, he spoke the truth. She is only sleeping. For Jesus, death means nothing. And those who die in Jesus are indeed only sleeping, waiting till he comes to wake them as he did this girl. They <coughs> waiting for that day of resurrection when their bodies will join their spirits, which even now rejoice and sing praises before the throne. These here all have died in the Lord, but they now live in Him. This is the song that Christ has put into our hearts, whether we walk or jump, or whether we lie down in tiredness or sadness or even in death. The knowledge that death is only the gateway to Him. Death has swallowed up in victory. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the victory that you have given to Donald and Lorraine Bender, for Dor to Dorothy and Elmer Bender, to Pastor Mike Sitto, to Pastor Egbert and Lois Albert, to Curtis Albrecht, to Diane Jones, and to Doris Walker, Walker, and to all your saints. While they lived among us, you were their great physician, and now you have healed them from all disease, even for death. You have given them life in your kingdom forevermore. You have accomplished this by your power and because of your love by which you loved us even when we were dead in trespasses and sins. Grant to us this same power of your salvation, that living we may die to sin and dying we may live to you. Heal us from every disease in this life until the day when you heal us even from death and bring us to your eternal home to live with them and with you forever. Amen. We continue with verses 5 and 6.
continue with verse 6. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth, and a two-edged sword in their hand. Fighting in battle in ancient and medieval days was a very difficult thing. Today it's maybe a little less so, but still our armies require that our soldiers be in peak physical condition, don't they? In the midst of a battle, there's hardly a time when you would expect a soldier to waste his energy and his breath singing a song. No matter what might happen in the movies, I don't think it happened very often in real life. Before the battle, maybe, but probably not during it. And yet, in the midst of our fight, in the midst of our struggle, when we are weary and oppressed and laden down with the cares and the difficulties of this life, God promises to bring this new song into our hearts to give us energy, to lift us up, to strengthen us, to continue the battle. The battle in front of us often seems impossible. And indeed, it is a fight which we cannot win. Yet, it is a fight we have won in Christ Jesus, in which these who have gone before us have won and have come out on the other side victorious. This new song which lifts us up, which God puts into our hearts, he puts into our hearts through his word and in his sacraments, which give us that rest and that strength to pick up our sword and continue the fight. The other day, someone told me, I have to get my life together, and then I will come back to church. This is backwards thinking, isn't it? We don't get our life together and then come to church. We come to church to meet Christ in his word and his sacrament, to be strengthened in that new song, and having received the strength and the rest that Christ promises us in his word and sacraments, we pick up our sword and continue the fight by his strength. He gets our life together. We often talk about the church in two parts, the church militant and the church triumphant. The body of Christ is one, yet we are separated. They shine in glory, we feebly struggle on in this life. We continue to struggle with sin and Satan. They rest now triumphant in heaven. We struggle with temptation and guilt and with the world. The victory is ours in Christ Jesus. We remember people like David, who committed murder and adultery, and yet won. People like Saul, who persecuted the church of God, and yet won. And people like these are our list, who are sinners like us, and yet won by the grace of God. God gives us his forgiveness and puts that new song in our hearts so that we may pick up our swords and continue to fight. The victory is theirs and is ours by the grace of God. Let us pray. We give thanks, Heavenly Father, for the victory that you have given to Miranda Quaid, Velma and Clifford Kell, Janice Kell, Carl and Margaret Randall, Paul Pelzel, Ruth and Dewey Kempinar, and Russell Schwatt, and all your saints who through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, you have strengthened and forgiven. We pray that as we struggle, you would strengthen and uplift our hearts by the power of your word and your sacraments. Grant us victory now over sin and temptation, and bring us by your grace to the final victory and the rest that waits for us, that we may join you and all your sins in everlasting glory. Amen. Amen.